0: T-S-N-Y
1: Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Nick's State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Chip Murphy. Recording on Monday night, it's... NBA Draft Week, and we have a very special preview episode today with three very qualified people. We have uh, Jeffrey Campbell on the show, my co-host at the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast. Thank you for coming on the show, Jeff. And we have Chris Percyinen from Nick's Film School back on the show. And we have first-time guest, the Strickland's draft expert, Prez, coming on the show, too. Guys, thank all of you for coming on the show tonight. Really appreciate it.
2: What
0: up? What up? Absolutely, man. Pleasure to be here. Excited to um, go into these deep dives. For sure. Excited to you
3: for having us.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so I want to start off right away with a topic that we are about to get into. I think the point guards. And I want to start off with Sharif Cooper because he's one of my favorite players. And I know, Prez, you like him a lot. So and you wrote about him for the Strickland. So I wanna hear you talk about him.
2: Yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah, on my, yeah. uh, <laughs> my Nick specific board, he's uh sixth, which which some might say are is an unreasonable thing to do. Yeah. But I've done it. <clears throat> so for me, basically it comes down to two things um that are related. One is I think he's a better shooter than the statistics indicate for a bunch of reasons. He shot, like, something horrible, like 23%, 24% from three. Um, but in AAU and high school and UIBL, he's been, like, mid-30s, which is, you know, that's not Reggie Miller numbers, but it's a lot better than 23%. And if you had reversed it and made him shoot 23% in UIBL and then 35% in college, everybody would have him top 10. Um, <clears throat> And then the other thing is, you know, everybody knows, like, you shoot free throws well, whatever. But the other thing people don't realize is he didn't practice with the team. He was just ineligible to be with the team for two months and then came in, skipped over all the games versus, like, cupcake schools, jumped right into the best conference in college basketball and whooped that ass. The efficiency wasn't great, but, like, he literally went cold turkey to hooping versus the best conference in college and made his team a whole lot better. And I think from a statistical perspective, I can probably give him a little bit of grace with the numbers because of that because he just came in cold with no practice, you know, all that stuff versus the best conference. Um and instead I look more to his impact like did he how what did he do for Auburn and he made them really good. So I think the shooting is okay. And I think everything else is awesome except for the defense, which ain't great. But, you know, we had Derek Rose and Elf playing point guard and we figured it out. So I think we all right. That's the pitch.
1: Okay. Okay. Chris, you were uh, nodding your head along throughout all of that. You're high on Cooper, too?
3: Yeah. So he's going to, he's probably going to move down a spot. Um, when I put out my my final board before the draft, hopefully I get that out like Wednesday. Um but on the first board I put out, he was seven. Um, I might throw i think I think I'm going to throw Scotty Barnes over him and have him eight uh, in my second board, but no, like, in short, what Prez said, <laughs> but like, for real, um that the point about him going straight into tough competition and balling very very salient um i believe his debut game was something like 24 and 8 uh whatever it was i'm like something ridiculous like that just like popping himself in the equation you know coming i believe off the bench like that first game um he just he just hoops this kid's stock was like top 10 in high school and then he had like some investigation, whatever bullshit. And then his stock fell. He hasn't been mocked like at the top. And then, you know, all these other guys have all this good stuff going for them, uh, in this class. So, you know, with guys like book, killing the shooting drills and then, you know, even as someone like Duarte people are like, Oh yeah, well he can come right in and contribute as a wing. Like, yeah. Cooper seems to be a a candidate to fall through the cracks. Um, to a team like New York sitting there with two picks trying to make something happen. Um, I love his fit here because we have a coach who brought Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell along. And I'm not trying to say like, oh yeah, well now because we have Johnny Bryan on the staff, it's a lock that Sharif will be there. It's just like, you. we have, I'll put it like this. The seconds leading up to our pick last year, were in the KFS live stream. I'm like, it's Obi Toppin. John's like, it's Obi Toppin. And Spencer Perlman is like, with the guys that they hired, they're going to draft Kyra Lewis. And we didn't, but like we, we, we we have the guys in place to draft a guard, a small guard, and and develop him and bring him along. Um, I love Bryant. I love Payne. I love a lot of the guys, the coaches, on our staff. And then talking about like guys already on the roster, um, we have a six-nine player who can play make. We have D Rose potentially coming back. We'll have IQ. We'll have you know maybe Ob still on the bench for Reef to throw lobs to. Um, I just love the fact that Reef could come in give us fifteen minutes of up-tempo play, 10 to 15 minutes a game to start the season of up-tempo play, just setting the table, playmaking, and then as the year goes along, you know, maybe playing 15, 20 minutes a game, whatever it is, and then if you want to cut him in the playoffs to last minutes, whatever Tibbs wants to do, like, it's his rookie year, I'll get it. I just think, like, there's a path like with every prospect, there's a path to, you know, what it takes to for them to be in an optimal situation. And I think we can provide that for Sharif like every year of his career and ease him in to a a big role eventually, because I do have not high expectations, but just, I think his ceiling is, is up there and is worth the bite as early as I have him.
1: Okay. So both of you guys are obviously really high on him. So if if he's such a uh, a great prospect, why is he so much higher on your guys' boards, and why isn't he like a projected top ten pick? Why is he gonna shoot like a to toddler? <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: the other reason, aside from his shooting and him being short, which are scary things for GMs, on mm-hmm. um, um, uh, although I don't know, I guess being short isn't scary because Damian Mitchell's like a top. is a lottery pick, I guess um is most teams have he he is he needs the ball right to be good like that's why he's gifted and most teams have someone else who deserves the ball a whole lot it's just as simple as that so like if you're another team weighing the pros and cons like he's not without risk and if you don't have if you have a guy who's a lead ball handler then you're you know front offices are conservative they're trying to keep their jobs they could pick somebody Davian, like davian or Obi, who everybody has ranked highly or you know somebody simple like moody who you know what he's going to be and there's like no chance he is not that and uh sorry it just started like hailing like crazy where i'm at i don't know (laughs) if y'all can hear that but um no no this is what happens when I start talking about Davion and Mitchell. It's just rage and yep. hail, hell yep. storms just start forming in the skies. Um, but yeah, I think GMs like to play a safe. And sometimes that bites them in the ass. That's the TLDR version to me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I think a lot of guys you take at 19 or 21, for the most part, you're taking a risk in the NBA draft. But we mentioned uh, Davy and Mitchell. And Jeff, I know we talked before we came on here, and you're high on Davion Mitchell, so you want to talk about him. So make your make your pitch, I guess, for Davion Mitchell, because Chris and Prez are not as high as you
2: are, I guess. Well, I, 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 I want to hear it. Yeah, I, I, I like Davion Mitchell. I just like to be Cooper more.
1: Yeah, yeah, he oh. likes he likes Mitchell more. Is what I'm saying.
0: Can I go what back to Cooper real quick before we get into Davion? If you if, if you want, I'll go straight into Davion. That's cool.
1: No, no, no. Whatever you want.
0: So. You know, um somebody's gotta be the contrarian, you know, when it when it comes to Sharif Cooper. So I'm, I'm gonna take that role. Um, but there's a lot to like. You know, I wanna start with the positives first, obviously Prez and Chris really laid them out. You know, um in in EYBL, I, I mean he was a stud. You know, he was uh national player of the year, I think in twenty eighteen, um, averaged twenty seven and eight. <clears throat> I think if you want to buy into the fact that he's going to be a more productive offensive player or the 12 game sample size that he showed at Auburn, you feel like isn't indicative of of what he can do. Like there's, there's evidence there that, that can support that. Like I can't really um, knock that too much. But the other thing too is like whenever we get into conversations about these players, I feel like sometimes you, you almost have to know who you are yourself as like an evaluator. Like, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit, it's funny, Prez was talking about like being risk averse when you're a GM because you want to save your job. In some ways, I'm kind of like that. So maybe that's why I'm a little, I'm a little bit lower on Sharif Cooper than, than maybe some other guys. I think my big thing with Sharif Cooper is this. If, if I tell myself, what does he do that I know translates to the NBA on day one? He gets to the rim. I think he had like uh, 8.6 free throw attempts, um, 6.1 attempts at the rim. Both were really high, even in just the 12-game sample size. So you know that's going to be there. Like he's going to break down a defense, and he's going to get to the line. Um, And he's a really, really talented ball handler. He's got great live dribble, dribble passing, hesitation dribble in and out, you know, snake dribble, all that stuff you want. Um, so I think that that's, that's good to go. Like if the Knicks drafted him, we would be a better team on day one. My, my problem with Sharif Cooper is forecasting his ceiling, uh, given the height. And I feel like that is a little bit of low hanging fruit. Like, of course, I, the, the issue is, I don't know that we've seen a a kid like him with his type of skill set. So it's almost a little unfair to say like, well, he's six one. It's not going to work because Um, generally people that are that height, unless they have a great shot, don't work out. But, um, the shot really, really scares me, man. And, and, and like, yes, the percentages are low. He probably shot better in high school. I'm not a shot doctor. So anyone listening to this can say like, well, you don't know what you're talking about, but that form starting at the waist, the, the slow gather, the leaning to the left, um, it's. I just feel like there's a lot that he has to work on. If you told me that that he, he could be a league average shooter and he's going to hit 35% of his threes, I would sign on right now. I would say at 18, dude, pick this guy up immediately. I'm just not even sure, given what I think he's going to have to re- rework and revamp. Um, it's hard for me to see a world where, where he's going to get there. And then if he doesn't, then again, I think even without that, the Knicks are still better to Thursday if they draft him. But if his ceiling is then capped by not having that shot, I really do worry about where the team can go long-term if he doesn't become, at the very least, a league average shooter. And what yeah, about
1: the... – oh, sorry, ahead.
0: Sorry, the one thing I was just going to
2: say is like <laughs> – like yeah, I already said that I'm not super worried about the jumper. Um, I'm actually more worried about his shooting um, in the paint, and I am the jumper because like it's not like SEC teams were chasing him over the screens, right? Like like he was Steph Curry. Like they were dropping back because they knew he couldn't shoot, but it didn't matter because unless you drop drop mad far back you going backwards is not faster than Sharif going forward with the ball. So you can go under and he's still going to pass you on the way to the rim unless you drop really far back, which is what a lot of teams do in the NBA because they have to. So one thing he didn't show was a floater game or an in-between game. And some teams in college, including Auburn, are kind of like more e-ballish and don't like that. So it's not even necessarily like, You know, why don't they get somebody who could shoot a floater at Auburn? It's just we legit don't know. So I think that's where I get like honestly worried about him. I'm like, is he, he's really little and he's not jumping 40 inches like Donovan Mitchell or something. So uh, he's got to figure something out in the paint. Yeah, I'm with that. That's, uh, I I think
3: like also I posted a video um, and President also from his Pacers workout because the Pacers have been cool with like access to footage of draft prospects coming in and working out for them um and I know it was open gym but like there's this lean back that Sharif does uh in his shot that to me like I was watching that I was like does he just literally like not have the strength to get the ball you know i was trying to wonder like what was causing this i'm not like a super shot doctor either like prez would have a better idea but um he wasn't leaning back at the combine he wasn't leaning back at his pacers workout like the shot just looked smoother faster by just a little but but better and um that didn't put him up my board it just made me feel less scared to put him as high as I wanted to, if that makes sense.
1: Okay. Jeff, uh, what about Davion Mitchell uh, makes you like him more for the Knicks than Sharif Cooper, though?
0: Um, I, listen, I, you know, I, I was lucky enough to talk to one of the assistant coaches, Trent Baylor, about Davion. I had a lot of hesitancy before that. Um yeah his height is not great. I think his first step is great and he's definitely one of if not the best on-ball defender that there's going to be in the draft. Um you know again it it depends on what type of person you are and what you value. You know maybe I'm someone that can be a little bit more fantastical in the sense that I I really do value the the intangibles that somebody can bring. Um because I think on a, on a Tibbs-led team, they, they wanna put together a culture of guys that are, are really gonna come in and work to be the best versions of themselves. So when I hear stories about Julius Randle, right? Touching down at, at an away site for a game and then heading over to you know some local gym with uh, the guys to get up shots, that's Davion Mitchell, right? like. Davion Mitchell came back from the national title winning game and called up one of the freshmen on the team. And it was 3.00 AM. And they're like, yo, let's go to the gym. Like right after that, Um, you know, Davion Mitchell is the type of guy that sees the coach, you know, sees another player that maybe doesn't have a certain amount of confidence in them. And they see that they're struggling, but he's got this idea that the the sum of the parts is greater than the individual. and, And he's, talking with the coaches and saying, you know, listen, go easier on this guy, or, or what do we need to do to make this guy bit be- better? Um, Mitchell is the type of guy that, you know, the coaches are going to be able to have really in-depth conversations about the types of defensive coverages that they want to run. And he's going to be involved in um, scheming those and, um, you know, figuring out what, what best suits the team from a strengths and weaknesses standpoint. So, you know, that on top of the fact that I don't think there's a lot of issues with the form of his shot, um, if you want to say that his statistical increase maybe looks like somewhat of an outlier compared to what he's done previously, you know, I can, I can see that. I can understand that. But what I would also say is that, you know, he transferred from Auburn, right? So he, he shot really poorly at Auburn and increased every year that he was at Baylor. Um, And any person that I've talked to uh, from my own podcast or just reached out to from an email standpoint, whether they were Big 12 related or not, um, I was talking to somebody from Texas and and I was like, you know what? Like, just out of curiosity, like, I know you play the Baylor guys. Like, what do you think about Davion Mitchell? They were like, Davion's an absolute stud. Like, he's going to be really good in the league. Um, So I just think that some of the, the skill set pieces that he has there combined with the intangibles, uh, are, they, they lead me to believe that the the range of outcomes for him, like I'd, I'd rather take a little bit more of a risk with him, even though he's older. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like Davion Mitchell. I don't think he's – you know, I've seen some – I think I saw Sam uh, Vesany's board that – he had Davion, I think, top 10 or something. I, I think that's a little, little much. Um, you know, I think that fifteen to twenty range is is just fine, but you know, he's he is a guy that I do think no matter what. Um, even go go look at the tape of him guarding Cade Cunningham. What's the height difference there? It's like six inches. He gave Cade Cunningham fits. Uh, so I, I think Davion Mitchell is is going to be really good.
1: Yeah, he no he looks good. It's funny that you bring up the assistant coach because the reason I remembered Sharif Cooper and was so high on him at first is because i don't know if you remember we talked to ian borders the auburn coach at this time last year about a and he like took made sure to tell us like oh we've got this recruit coming in sharif cooper remember his name Very true. Like, that just that just made me perk up when i heard that this guy could be a nick
2: well so, they played together yeah I mean, I, yeah
1: that's what i remember him saying that. he's like they played yeah. in high school like remember this guy so it just
2: stuck with me Gotta that was it. probably no fun to play against them. Yeah, yeah I know right, Jesus.
1: <laughs> but Chris, you are not as high on Mitchell as Jeff is. Is it just because you don't like people that are not teenagers or is it because you because Relax. you legitimately don't like Mitchell?
3: <laughs> Relax with the ageism <laughs> accusation allegations. I think
1: it's it's perfectly verified after after um, the last episode you were on.
3: Listen. The thing with Mitchell is like, uh, I hate I hate to be lame, but like as a as a shameless Cade guy, I'll be like, yes. Like one of the things with Cade is that he like kind of uh, like not 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 isn't super physical, but almost just like isn't that that physically tough when he played it or wasn't when he played at OK State. Um, and then Davion's just like a get in your grill guy. I think that like toughness and willingness to play defense matters a lot in the sense that like you know you can say like oh would you rather have a good defender that just doesn't try or like an average defender that puts in like great effort consistently um the thing with Davion though is like in the National Basketball Association especially with us moving in a direction where like dude like at lebron curry but even like Jokic, mb kd these bigger guys just get one screen and then they get switched on to who they want like being six feet tall matters to me at a certain point and yes i buy the shot with him and that it'll translate to the nba not to you know like a sniper degree but you know he'll he'll definitely get by um I just think that he's not bringing, you know, like Cooper brings that elite skill to the table to compare, you know, the two six-footers. Um, and I think the the position he plays, like the one, you know, like obviously guys like Lou Will, you see get targeted a ton. But then again, like Lou Will's not bringing that elite offensive skill. To, yes, he's a great shot creator, and, and but like if you could have Sharif become what we think he can become – you live with the defense, you know, as a as a six o point guard. Davion is is cool because he, I think it was Prez who used this phrasing, but like he's like an event generator in that like on the ball you just make shit happen. Like he he can poke it loose. He's just in your grill. He's playing up. He's tough. You know, effort consistent. Um, but I don't think he just like moves me enough on the offensive end for me to look past the defense like I do with Sharif or look past the height like I do with Sharif even if he has like objectively better defensive skills I just like kept seven foot Kevin Durant like doesn't care about like what his skills are like and then obviously maybe thinking you know that deep into it and thinking towards the playoffs and that's that might be overdoing it but like I just can't, like, like, Sharif's passing and playmaking being that good from the jump, watching that Atlanta series, seeing how desperately we just needed, like, offensive advantages to be created, you know, finding out that Tibbs would want a guy like Cam Thomas, you know, everyone's always like, everyone in the fan base is like, oh, Tibbs is a defensive coach and he didn't play Frank, so Frank must really suck. It's like, nah, Tibbs is a defensive coach, so he can get the best defense out of all the best offensive pl- all the best offensive players that he has. And then, you know, he's, like, begging to score 100 points every night. <laughs> so, like, yeah, no, he's not going to play Frank. He can't. Like, you know, Tibbs wanting Cam Thomas should show people that, like, just – like, people are like, oh, Tibbs, Tibbs would never like Sharif because he can't play defense. Tibbs would love Sharif being able to draw fouls, get to the basket – all that, Um, and just how easy he would make things for the other guys in orange and blue out there. Davion, like, yes, maybe. Like, he's he is moving up my board. Like, I'm being less lame about him. (laughs) But, like, I just can't, in this draft class, at his age and height, pass up on the other bites at the apple that you could take, um, you know, I don't even want to just start randomly naming guys, but like, say two, for example, like, a, like bones and deuce, like those are two guys I'd rather bet on than Davion. If we're talking like small guards, uh, not named Omar Sharif Cooper. So like, you know, uh, the, the bones is shooting Deuce is just dogness, like on the ball shot creation Davion at that height, like. I just keep, I keep getting stuck. I keep getting stuck at like, yeah, but he's, yeah, but there's, there's nothing about him that just like plows down that roadblock in my head. Like with Sharif, I'm like, I can't be a loser about this. like, look at what he can freaking do with the ball. Like, I don't care that he's six feet tall with Davion. I don't, I don't have that same pop. And then I just keep getting stuck on the height. I keep getting stuck on the age and,
1: and all that. Well, he was big 12. the player of the year and you have him under honorable mentions on your draft board i think you you could move him up a couple of spots if that's what you're trying to say he's gonna be moving
3: (laughs) sangun is another guy that i'm that i was like too low on in my first board as like an overcorrection because i thought people were way too high on him and then in my brain i'm just like nah that guy stinks like he doesn't actually stink he just like like koc was saying like KOC was like passionately explaining on his green room today why they should take – the Grizzlies should take Sengun at 10 after moving up. And I was like, dude, like what are we doing here, man? I don't – like I I, I can't. That that hype is too much for me. Top 10. All
1: right. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about Chris Duarte obviously too. The Knicks just brought him in for a solo workout. Uh, Prez, there's been a lot of reports recently about Duarte and the Warriors. And I think he was brought in with for two workouts with the Warriors, actually. And so there was one report I saw that said he won't get past the Warriors at 14. Do you think if the Knicks did have to trade up to get Duarte, is he the kind of player that's worth trading up to get?
2: Yeah, I think they'd consider it. And... My preference would be if they did trade up to get him. As long as they make another pick, I'd be cool with it. Um, I used to be a lot lower on him, Um, like end of the first. Right now on my final Knicks-specific board, I think I had him like 16 or something. And really the change was because I kind of started – I think I might have told you this, Chris. I started viewing him as like a free agent too, especially you here. They're talking about Reggie Bullock getting, like, 10 mil, 9 mil a year, which is fine, right? Like, he's very good spot-up shooter and solid defender. So, like, go get the bag, Reggie, whatever. Even if he comes back, I'll be happy. But, like, he has his limitations as a shooter, which is that he can't dribble the ball and then shoot unless it's, like, one dribble with nobody there. And he's not really running around screens like that. And Chris Duarte, he pretty much shoots all of the threes. Uh, And then he plays a little defense and rebounds and passes a little bit on top of that. Um, But that versatility is really the thing. And, you know, you think about a rookie contract, you're basically talking 12 mil for four years, so like three mil a year. And I'm like, is Reggie Bullock three times better than Chris Duarte? I don't think so. I think they're pretty, you know, even if you think Bullock with his Wiley vet experience and all that is better, which is completely fair. Like, I just think that's getting a player as good as Chris Duarte is right now for $3 million a year for the foreseeable future is a really good deal. And I think it will be a huge failure if that's the only draft pick they make because the draft is a, is unique in that it's one of the rare chances that teams have to make upside picks. Right, You don't really see upside swings in free agency that work out um, the most you get is like Alec Burks. He paid five million, and he plays like he was worth eleven million. Like whoop dee doo awesome! Shout out to AB. That's not even slander, but like, it's different in the draft, right? Where you could get MVP candidates in the teens, and the Knicks have some picks, and they should use them. And it's okay to use one of them on a on a guy like Duarte, who has an important skill set, but. Don't let that be the only thing you use the draft for. That's my plea to Leon Rose.
3: <laughs> yeah, I
2: agree like if you if you
3: if you do Duarte at like 19 or 21 or whatever and what's up?
1: Oh, I thought if, you froze. You, I thought you froze. Go ahead. Uh, man.
3: <laughs> if you draft Duarte at at 19 or 21 or whatever, um please also take Cooper or McBride or I I I can't even like maybe Cam Thomas, like just take someone that has that creator upside um to pair with him. Like don't let trading up for Duarte and then taking him with like, you know, whatever you use your two first. Like, don't, don't let that be your only your only bet this draft. I totally agree, Prez. Like I'm I'm very happy with Duarte if he comes with Sharif. I'm very happy with Duarte if he comes with Deuce. Um if you, if you know if it's cam thomas and duarte and isaiah jackson you know they grab it like that would be awesome you know some something like something more some other bets one or two other bets if it's just duarte that's a very strong misuse of our picks i would think as well
1: jeff what do you think of duarte
0: yeah i like him um i think he's you know he's he's definitely on the older side, but he's mature. Um, you know everything that that I've heard and and uh, in terms of talking to people that from that Oregon program, um, you know he's he's definitely putting in the work. Uh, he's you know pretty good with um, the scouting reports defensively. I think what what pops out to me that I really like is his instincts are really good. Like he jumps passing lanes very well. Um, and the shooting is, is is something that clearly we need. Uh, clearly he does well. It seems effortless. So he's a guy that – it's funny. I don't know. There's always one guy in the draft that you feel is going to go really high, and then the day comes and there's teams that start passing on that person. I don't know if that's going to be Duarte, but, um, yeah, I, I listen, I would – love if the Knicks drafted him I, I think he would be a, a seamless fit he fills a need and um honestly I'm not really that low on a on a on a guy's upside like that I just think that he has um something that that will keep him in the league for a long time and like Preset, said you know there's plenty of shooters with limited creation upside that are are getting um, you know, big contracts. I mean, I'm sure Duncan Robinson is about to get paid a ridiculous amount of money oh my God. to do what he does. Right. So, you know,
3: Right. Um, it's not by us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't think it will be, but um, he, he's, he's going to fill a need on day one and, and um, yeah, I, I would definitely be down for drafting him for sure.
1: Yeah. Someone's going to give Duncan Robinson 20 million a year, close to 20 million a year, I think. For what he does. That's what it looks like anyway. Yeah. But no, I mean, Chris Duarte, 42% from three, 17 points a game, 53% overall. I mean, he'd obviously come in and uh fit right away, but Prez, the you were talking about Bullock before and in terms of the shooting. In terms of Duarte and Bullock, with obviously Bullock's defense was huge last year for this team. How big of uh uh drop off between Bullock's defense to Duarte's defense would there be a little okay,
2: I mean, they're like the same size, and Bullock Bullock's just solid, he's always in the right place, um he's not locking anyone up and he's not reading two passes ahead and like making genius deflections and steals or anything like that. He gives effort 100% of the time. And I I don't think it will be a major drop-off. It might be an adjustment at the beginning for Duarte, kind of like we saw from uh, Quickly. But, like, even Quickly, by the second half of the season, like, he was pretty much in the right place most of the time. The only times he got cooked on defense were, like, dudes who were a lot faster or a lot stronger than him who should cook him. And with Duarte, like, it's not going to be – that many two guards who are bigger than him, so you're worried more about the guys who are quick and those guys are probably going to got out at the two spot unless it's like, you know, unless we bring back Frank or something like that. <laughs> I wish.
1: Oh yeah, apparently it could happen. Apparently I it could happen, yeah. Still holding out hope, Chris? They should do it. Like, I don't get... We can't do this. I can't. Yeah, I, no, I'm not saying I want to go down that road. I'm just saying, like, I, I have, I have a whole,
3: I have an entire rant in me right now, ready to go. I stopped myself early. We can't. We can't.
1: Good, good, good. It's not that. It's not that podcast. We don't need to go down the Frank. I'll bottle. make it right now. I'll do. It. No, that's okay. That's You're okay. welcome.
2: All rants are welcome on Pod Strickland, where we have two and a half hour podcasts at a <laughs> bit of time of Frank of Frank Rent
1: um, Duarte we talked about I do also want to talk about uh someone who's really interesting to me is uh Jaden Springer yeah I want to hear what you oh, guys Prez, loves him. Prez I know Prez loves him cuz I was listening to Prez's interview on Bankshot and you were talking about him Prez so Prez can you talk about what you like about Springer
2: yeah, Springer's a weird prospect, but I'm a fan. Yeah, <laughs> he, He's not a point guard. Um, he's a shooting guard who doesn't shoot a ton, which is odd, right? Um, he He's the rare prospect who, to me – well, the first thing is he's really young, right? He's one of the younger players in the class. And he has a lot to work on to – become like a fully formed NBA player. But despite that, he still produced, which is rare, right? Usually guys who are raw don't really produce. And if you look at his teammate, Keon on offense, Keon Johnson, that's more typical, right? Like hyper-athletic, you know, still figuring out how to dribble the ball, can't really shoot. And like most of his production came in the form of like transition dunks and lockup defense. But on offense, I could list off all these important things that Jaden Springer needs to get better at to succeed in the NBA. He, he, like, he was a good shooter, but he didn't shoot it often. He passed up shots. He only does two hand passes and only does two foot jumps, and both of those things are kind of specific and really weird and need to change. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, all these things – they're not crazy hard to fix, right? We're just telling a good shooter to shoot it more and telling an athlete to jump off one foot sometimes instead of two. And some, he, he plays really conservatively um, like decision-making wise. So, you know, he'll see a, an advantage in lane. And if it's not big enough, he'll be like, no, let me reset instead. So if you're confident that you can kind of take that, take that, inhibitor off and get him to let loose a little bit while working on some other, some other things. Like, I, I I think he's going to be really productive because he had all these, he was handicapping himself basically in all these ways. And he still was out here making a lot of great passes and scoring a lot and like finishing on versus older players and playing great defense. So it's like, he's still figuring out the game and he's, good now what is what's going to happen when all this shit starts to click and it's not like you're not talking ask Sharif to become a great shooter here all of these things are like kind of random and specific the one thing that is that's kind of scary to me though is like I feel like there's a lot of teams that could pick him and fuck up his situation like if yeah I don't know like he t- he like I said he needs kind of specific things. And, you know, there's a lot of stupid teams out there. So, hopefully, if the Knicks take him, they they have him cooking. And, you know, Johnny Bryan and Kenny Payne and these guys, I think I would trust them.
1: Who would have thought we'd ever say that about the Knicks? That, that I, he I needs know, a, right? a stable place to go, and the Knicks are that spot. Right.
2: Who would if have this thought we'd three, ever say if that? If this was yeah. three years ago, I would have been like, no, please
1: don't. I know, You'd you'd love the prospect and you'd wish him away from the Knicks. Chris, Man. Chris, what do you think of Springer? Ah, uh, I, I hate to like
3: follow. Okay. I hate to follow up. <laughs> I hate to follow up Prez with like a, um, not as fun take, but I just like to name names, um, a bet on a twitchy athletic wing like he on, you know, his teammate, like might intrigue me more. Now, if I were in New York, it would not. Um, but, like, as for my big board, like, yeah, I don't have Springer ranked super, super high. I have him, like, late lotto because, to me, there are just some swings that will be sitting there that are just bet- better than, you know, betting on what you can do with him. Um, to me, I think what you can do with a guy like Keon, what you can do with a guy like Trey Mann to name a, a guard, you know, like just a higher ceiling to me. And because job security isn't a problem for me when I'm sitting on my couch making big boards, I don't need to take like how good you know Springer will be out of the gate and things like that into account. Like I can put more of a project like Keon in front of him. Um, with no problem because my salary is not on the line, uh, but like I think that just like my take kind of explains that like yes I see Springer as not a safe safe but like he's gonna be a good player like if he goes to Atlanta at twenty and gets to play off Trey like fuck um, I thought I thought Memphis might might try to get him to play with Ja but you know it, it looks like they're going a different direction. Uh, after the deals today, which I know Chip is excited about,
1: New Orleans just on a brilliant trade by their brilliant general manager today, David just,
3: Griffin. Trade wasn't that terrible. It's just the fact that the trade was uh, a he had to do that to unfuck up his fuckups.
1: That was the that was the that was the good part to me. Yeah. He uh, got the best player in the deal, but the fact that he's yeah that he's doing it to unfuck up his fuck-ups is, is yeah ridiculous but
3: but with Springer um I like him I think for me I don't know if it's the fact that like this is the most I've ever studied a single draft class ever but like I think fit is mattering to me so much this year with placement for guys like with where I see them going how I see them doing there and then how I talk about them as a result like If, I don't know, let me think here. Like a lot of people on Nick's Twitter have been saying like, oh, if Kuminga falls, we need to go get him. And it's like, Tibbs might cry if we give up getting like Butler and Cam Thomas. Yes, speak on (laughs) it. Speak on it. (laughs) If, If we give up getting Butler and Cam Thomas for Kuminga, like Tom Thibodeau might have a little like artery sitch right there on the spot. Something, blood clot, I don't know bad, not high stress, not good. He'll be very upset <laughs> very quickly. Um, I, I don't know. It's like I don't see the the need to go up for these high upside guys when I look at it through a team lens. But when I'm looking at it through like a Chris on his couch doing his big board lens, like, yeah, I don't have Springer super high because I just like some of those swings more than I like him. Um, but I'll, I'll give you one on the other side. Like JT Thor is a yeah. ball of clay that intrigues a lot of people and springer is probably someone i take over him you know obviously depending on the team if i have like no timeline at all then yeah i try to just like mold thor into some scary ass (laughs) ball handling wing um but nah like springer will end up above thor on my board like just as an example of a project i take springer
1: over before we move on what's the issue with jonathan kaminga because you guys just jumped on him, kind of right there, and you're not the first people I've heard be like, "Stay, stay away from him." Is he like the wise men of this class? Where last oh. year everybody, where everybody was like, "Stay away from this dude." Like you said, you said it. We didn't say it. <laughs> Why every, every year there's like a guy like that? So
3: here's what Kaminga. I'll, I'll, you know, Prez. I'll give Prez, <laughs> I'll give Prez's brain a break, and I'll, I'll, I'll take the jersey question. Uh, cause Kuminga's a Jersey boy and, and we need, Oh that.
1: God, Chris,
3: we need Prez's expertise for more pressing questions. I think Kuminga, like, um, you know, every, every athletic, you know, moldable wing is like, imagine it as a sandbox. Right. And like, you can, you can play in a sandbox with the tools that are already in there. And like, you, you could ask people that will tell you that, like, JT Thor has more tools in the sandbox to play with than Kuminga and would be a better bet because he can take the ball dribble it and hit a pull-up jumper he can he can do things that are more than spin and dunk and like I'm very high on like I have Kuminga high on my board like don't think I'm talking about for New York like a, a team trying to contend soon um like people mocking Kuminga to the Warriors like I think that's not gonna happen like Kerr would probably (laughs) Kerr would also have a meltdown.
2: Well, they Um, took Wiseman though. Yeah,
3: exactly. So for them to do it again, dude, he'll be weeping. Like there's no way. Um, Yes, I would, I would, again, depends on who you are. Like what I bet on Kuminga over book night. That's a tough one for me, but like, yeah, like, yeah, I'll, I'll bet on JK and what I can do with him over book night. However, if you're a team like desperate for a tangible skill to have out of the jump, like on the ball, then you might go JB, like you might go book there. Um, it, It's for me with Kuminga, there's just like not a lot there right now to bet on. You're betting on a lot of what ifs. Now we see players like that, you know, come along in the draft, like Poku and be draft Twitter favorites. um, Because they're fun as shit, <laughs> but like, a guy like JK is not as loved as draft Twitter as he is by me even. And just the reason for that is like, there's just not a lot that's visible or tangible there to bet on besides the size and athleticism.
1: Okay. Okay. Jeff, you have any takes on Kaminga or do you just agree that he's, you're not high on me there?
0: I like him. I'd I, I, I be honest. I don't have too many strong uh, takes on Kaminga. Um, he's. I'm sure he's going to go very high, and and teams, regardless of what their needs are, in some, if you're drafting that high, you're going to try and go best player available. Um, and I, I listen to to the earlier point, like Wiseman kind of showed us. Like there was a ton of reports coming out last year about Wiseman. They didn't know about the motor. You know, was he really committed? Um, listen, I I think James Wiseman's skill set's great. Um, and if he can stay healthy, I think he could be really productive for a long time. So um, I'm not really strong on Kaminga one way or the other, but I'm, I'm sure he'll be okay.
1: Okay, okay. Well, I'm not sure if he, he's really an option for the Knicks anyway. But I do want to talk about a guy who's who's definitely an option for the Knicks, and that's uh, Isaiah Jackson, who worked out for the Knicks. And Chris is not in his head. He obviously really likes him, and. On paper, Isaiah Jackson looks a lot like Mitch to me, like six, ten, seven foot three wingspan, skinny, fouls a lot. Um, I, I don't know if he's another Mitch or a Mitch clone, or maybe he's going to be better than Mitch. Prez similar to a
2: great basketball player, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, you wrote about him, so you talk about him. Yeah, um that's funny. All right, I'll get I'll throw I'll throw some some numbers at you just for fun. Okay. Um well actually before I throw the numbers, let me say this. One thing that annoys me, I understand like the like the idea of like don't pick a center because centers are backup centers are easier to find if we have Mitch and they're cheap and you got Nerlens for five mail. you could probably get Daniel Thias for like a cheeseburger. Like it's easy, right? So I get that. I get that. And if a center is our only draft pick, I'd be furious. But if we do an upsidey guy with another pick and a Jackson with the a second pick, I'd be totally cool with that because Jackson is really good at basketball. So since two thousand eight, the college freshmen who have had a free throw rate of fifty percent, a block rate of eleven percent, and shot sixty percent or higher from the line. It's Isaiah Jackson, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Townsend, and Jaron Jackson Jr. All right. Now I got some more. Ready? His defensive box plus minus as a freshman on a shitty Kentucky team was the highest in the SEC. His defensive rating, fourth highest in the SEC, only freshman in the top five. Defensive rebound percentage, highest in the SEC. Rebound percentage highest in the SEC. Block percentage highest in the SEC. And like you said, he doesn't even know what the fuck he's doing right now. He's fouling half the time. Like, this dude went to, like, a million different high schools, moved around, still was, like, all academic SEC in addition to just laying waste to other big men in the SEC. And, again, without knowing really what to do. And... I just think he's, you know, he, he's able to put it on the floor, not do anything crazy, but like he can take a dribble or two and tied step, euro step, and he has a nice. Like I said, he can shoot free throws, and his midy looks nice, so he maybe shoots it. But like, my point is, he's he's really productive as a freshman. Yes, he plays the same position as the other guy I love, Mitchell Robinson. But like, if we draft a wing or a small forward. Guess what? They're gonna play the same position as RJ and Julius Barrett, who are playing 9,000 minutes a game. So like like I don't see the same people who are like, oh, we have Mitch saying that shit for like Trey Murphy. Like what is he what is he where's Trey Murphy's 30 minutes gonna come from? He's not gonna play shooting guard. So like if you think he's a really good basketball player, then pick him. But that being said, like I said, if if he's the only guy they pick, I'm gonna be a little tight because you need you need to use the draft to get players, the kind of players who are harder to get in free agency. And as much as I love Isaiah Jackson, you can get good centers in free agency. Yeah.
1: You brought yeah. up the free throw shooting. He shot 70% on free throws. I don't know if you watched. He did the Mike Schmitz video breakdown thing for ESPN. And when Schmitz asked him like, about himself, he called himself a stretch four <laughs> which I thought was kind of interesting, <laughs> like, because, I, I so mean, funny. he's an, an amazing shot blocker. Like I I was stunned that he said that. So how do you see him profiling in the NBA? Do you think he's ever going to be like a guy who can
2: shoot? He's not no stretch for I'll tell you yeah, that.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think, I think there's a decent chance he can shoot. Um, I don't think he'll be like extra splashy out here, but I think he'll have a show me three pointer, you know, corner three, wide-open trailer, three kind of shooting um, down the line, personally. He's just saying he's a stretch forward because, you know, some players view themselves in yeah. the, the rosiest of, of lights.
1: I thought that was really funny that Kenny he Payne, said If come
2: to New York, Kenny Payne will tell him, you get your ass. Get your
1: ass on the, into the in pain. the dunker spot. Right.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Prez um regarding like draft philosophy trying to get players that are harder to go out and grab with cash um if our draft was Duarte and IJ I'd be really uninspired I'd be like okay okay, cool we got (laughs) we got two players that will be in the rotation but that like you see how unexcited I sound about what should be a cool thing like like two rotation players should be cool and I'm like all right Um, if you're, if you're going to get, I don't want to sound like Stacey Patton here and be like, no centers in the first round or else I'm going (laughs) to have a meltdown. But, um, if you, if you, let me, let me name names. If you do Duarte Jackson and McBride, I'm in, if you do again, like reef and Duarte, I'm in, if you do reef and Jackson, I'm in, if it's like Jackson and Duarte, if it's, Murphy and Jackson if it's like you know what I mean like if it's just two guys with if you're gonna get a boring guy I'm for it like boring guys are are essential like that you know (laughs) you you gotta have like a couple or you know around here and there you can't have everyone trying to you can't have 10 presbate players in your rotation you can't Um, have a party with only boring guys you gotta have a mix (laughs) you you gotta you gotta have a mix of what's going on and I think that if you go and get someone more air quotes exciting like Sharif or like Deuce or like Bones or whoever um then make a boring pick also to pair with them but like if they make two if they make two swings two big swings that's probably a bit much if they make two boring picks that's probably not enough like you got to find a balance between wild and safe um I think that Duarte is definitely like you know if there's like a, a chart like Duarte's all the way on safe IJ obviously like the stats aren't majorly majorly impressive so like you know sections of Nick's Twitter are going to be like oh Kentucky cronyism is going to be the end of this franchise Um, but you know I, I think he can be really good on defense something else I wanted to say about IJ regarding what you said about Mitch chip is that I don't know if it's Perry I'm trying to I, like I don't know who the hell it is, maybe it's just like you know Perry and the new front office also, but they seem to have this thing, which is a good thing in my opinion, for like trying to get backups that play like the starter, even if they're worth like a worse version, like I don't know that Mitch and Noel thing um. The playoff showed that we could have used, you know, obviously Mitch was hurt, but the playoffs showed that we could have used some versatility at our center position in terms of what types of players we had to throw out there. Um, which, you know, is why like Schwinn and I went on to be like Dwight Howard would provide a physical option to throw in the mix. Um, some people want Cody Zeller to to throw another name in there
2: with Taj at the backup spot. But like, you know, you know we're not going to sign Dwight, right? I, I, I like that um the thing though is
3: with ij like the mini mitch thing is real like that would be a real thing um if you're starting mitch and then bringing up ij to be a backup you know maybe taj and him split backup minutes and you ease him in maybe you just start off the season not caring and letting points leak if he fucks up because you're just trying to develop him by the end of the year to be able to hold down the fort for those like 10-15 minutes mitch is out um, but I like the concept of having a backup that stylistically plays like your starter. Um, because when start, like, you know, I know Tibbs, he, yeah, it just worked. We didn't work.
1: Yeah. He
3: doesn't, he doesn't worked. do, he doesn't do five on five off every single sub. Like there are starters that will play with the bench unit and having a bench player who could play like the starter and let them run the same kind of it, it's continuity, all that, you know, good stuff. Um, if again, like Prez was saying, if IJ is your first round bet, you probably fucked up. If he's like, if he is your, like, you know, marquee pick your biggest, yeah, like you fucked up. Um, but pairing him with a creator bet, I'm so in because he he's going to be good on defense and people don't like to acknowledge this, but Mitch is with one year left on his deal. Like, gonna be an unrestricted free agent if he doesn't extend this summer which I'm not expecting because I don't think we have a reason and we have too much leverage as a team to offer him what he should think that he deserves and what his agents should think that he deserves so like I just don't think there's too much reason for a deal to be done this summer unless New York is willing to pay up which everything Leon has done ever under this team would you know imply that they're not um, then it's probably not the worst thing in the world to have a guy that you can say to Mitch, like, hey, we can move on with him if you don't want to take two mil less a year to stay with us and like give you even, I'm not saying draft the guy because he's a free agent negotiation bargaining chip, but like say Mitch does leave or whatever, you have a guy that's not 39-year-old Taj. Um, so that's just another yeah. little, another little bonus.
1: Yeah, all evidence would suggest that they are not, High on paying Mitchell Robinson Yeah right now anyway But uh, before I move on Jeff you said You told me earlier you wanted to talk about uh, Trey Mann You said you were really high on him Let's do this So yeah go ahead Jeff
0: Yeah um, I mean I love Trey Mann I I, you know Maybe for some of the reasons that we talked about With Sharif a little bit earlier I, I, I know from a Um playmaking standpoint um and and being explosive with the ball in your hands uh, he's not uh to the level that Sharif is but uh Trey Trey man you know for whatever lack of athleticism that he has he gets at least to me he gets to where he needs to go um when he wants to Uh, I just think his shot creation um he seems like a guy that I feel like the Knicks are kind of at this crossroads with, with who they're trying to either draft or sign um, for – let's let's hope for a, a point guard replacement for Alfred Payton, right? But we're trying to figure out what's the ceiling of that person and, and how they can influence the Knicks' uh, development going forward. If we don't have that point guard in this draft and if we don't have them in free agency – then I'm fine with just adding more shot creators to um, our roster uh, until we find that guy and having them just kind of play make-off each other, which is essentially kind of what we did last year with RJ and Julius you know, really handling the ball a lot, um, even when Alfred Payton was on the floor. And Trey Mann is a guy that I feel like can do that. Uh, he actually just recently, I think – he had like a two inch growth spurt I think within the past couple of years as well. And um, I love the way this guy plays, you know, I know Chris was talking earlier about guys that excite you. Uh, This is a guy that excites me. Like, I feel like I know, you know, we get bogged down into stats and um, a lot of these measurables and metrics that hopefully give you an idea of like how you forecast a player going forward. But sometimes like, there's just a wow factor with certain players and like Trey man for me has that. Um, I would love for the Knicks to somehow figure out a way um, or, I mean, you know, I know he's not necessarily that high. It could be available, but I would love for him to be uh, on the team next year.
1: Okay. Chris, you're high on him too. Yeah. I I think he's going to
3: move down a spot on, on my next board in favor of book night. uh, I have them, 10 and 11 right now i might swap them so book 10 man 11 um we'll probably end up doing that but i you know 11 in this class is still really good um i love man i love the floor that he provides like say you know betting on guys with primary upside is just like i remember Macri put out a tweet like during jamal murray's like reign of terror in the bubble about like betting on guys with primary upside, because if you can get the, that out of the, like, you know, that just, you should do it. Like if you can, if you can use a draft pick on a guy who has upside of being a legitimate upside of being a primary ball handler, you should. Cause like Prez was saying earlier, those guys don't just sit around on the free agency market um, and centers and, you know, three indie wings and all that do man. Even if he doesn't develop that like primary ball handler of like he's you could play him at the one with a jumbo initiator at you know three four or five that in a league with like an increasing amount of those and he can just be a freaking what six five floater knockdowning 30 foot also knockdowning point guard out there spacing the floor just providing enough, Passing and playmaking and just keep shit going, but doesn't have the responsibility of being that guy on the ball. Like that's a solid floor for me. And then I buy him on the ball, his like his handle, his shot, his floater, his like like Jeff was saying, just the non-describable aura that buzzes off your screen when you're watching him and that kid has the ball in his hands. Like all of that makes me buy his upside but I also really like what's there without the upside and that's why he's as high as he is on my board um because I think he's like a safer pick than people are saying even though like yes getting to the rim all that like yeah maybe he should be taking more layups than m- pull up middies and floaters but like I don't know if I could make those stupider shots at the clip that he was like I guess I would do the same thing and avoid all the contact when I could just drop it. I don't know.
0: but well, so, like, so like the floater is that swing skill right there that I feel like, you know, to your point, like makes you want to buy into it. Because if, if he wasn't getting to the rim um, and it was just the, the step back or the pull-up game, uh, I think it would be harder, but, but when you see him and, and, you know, um, quickly's floater you know they're usually straight on but Trey Trey can hit them from like really difficult angles and he just has this like really innate sense of where the ball is going to hit off the backboard and I I just feel like I don't know man maybe I'm a little too high I think he could be special like I I, I really think that someone's going to pick him up and they're they're going to figure out that they just I don't know picked up picked up a really damn good player
1: okay yeah, 16 points, 3.5 assists, uh, 40% from three on uh, 1.9 three-point makes per game out of 4.7 attempts, so a solid sample size. But yep. something that stands out is the 5.6 rebounds per game, which is really good for a guard. 6-5. Uh, yeah, 6-5. That's really good. Really good rebounding guard. Prez, on Trey Mann, do you like him for the Knicks?
2: Well, on my knicks specific board. Yeah, because I know you have one of those. Yeah. He's eight. So okay. yes, I Ooh. love him. He is the most pres player. I was like gonna this say okay. biggest pres bait. <laughs> no, but Chris Chris broke it down, I think. Um like I I think that I think everybody acknowledges like with his pull-up shooting and handle, like if everything clicks he can be a really dangerous really dangerous score, but I, I think that I also think that people are sleeping on his floor being good. Um, which is what Chris said. I think that the thing that popped and surprised me the most when I watched him, and I actually had some tweets about this today by coincidence, um was his passing because he played a lot of point guard. And I don't think he's an NBA point guard, but he played a lot of point guard of Florida. And you know, sometimes he'll miss a read that's obvious, but like he also has plenty of very good looks, passes, um, both surprising and expected, um, from the outside in, from the inside out, from inside to bigs. Like he, for a shooting guard, his passing will be better than Alec Burks, better than Reggie Bullock, better than Emmanuel Quicklys, at least quickly last year. Maybe he gets better. So I. I was surprised. And, I mean, I'm big on guys who have skills that kind of go together well. Like, for him, it's pull-up shooting, ball handling, space creating, and decent passing. And those are all things that, like, make the other skills better, right? Like, if you're a good pull-up shooter, that means you're going to have more gravity to make more passes. If you're a good ball handler, it makes it easier to be a good pull-up shooter. And, like, they all kind of go together. And, like Chris said, he definitely – could go to the rim more but for a two guard I think he'll be fine shooting in different ways and making plays for himself and making plays for others and you put a Trey Young on him like they did Reggie Bullock and he will obliterate Trey Young so like you don't you don't have to worry about that um he Jeff is right he grew an inch between his freshman and so no he grew an inch or two between his freshman and sophomore seasons from like 6'3 to 6'5. He's pretty skinny. That's the other thing he has to work on. But fortunately, that's, that's, no, that's no big thing for NBA training staffs. Just give him some, some New York steaks some, and some penny penny <laughs> workouts and EBI. So uh, he's looking a little slim right now, but I ain't worried about that. <laughs> All right.
1: All right. So before we wrap up, I want to talk about some of the guys that we can trade up for. So the Knicks, because that's obviously going to be a big topic leading up to the draft, the Knicks have four picks. They have uh, the 19th pick, which is their pick. They have the 21st from the Tim Hardaway Jr. trade. Then they have the 32nd pick, which is from the Derrick Rose trade, the 58th pick from the Rivers trade. So I know I read that they talked to James Booknight Scotty Barnes and Jalen Johnson at the uh draft combine. So uh Chris, why don't you start? What do you think of those three guys? If you want to talk about them and who is your ideal, I guess, trade up candidate?
2: The three names
3: were Jalen Johnson, Scotty Barnes, and Book
2: Knight, you said? Yes.
3: Okay. Jalen Johnson, uh I think getting underrated because of the whole quitting on his team shit, like the the uh, he didn't I,
1: really quit on his team
3: when, when i'm that wasn't when really I'm, what happened when yeah and like that's what's being put out there is like he's a quitter he doesn't you know so it's like i think he's getting underrated because of all of that um I, I know like people say this a lot about players and it, like i say this a lot but like i'll say it now like especially in this class like if you if you looked at a different class he'd probably be going much higher um the, the, the boxes that he checks in terms of, like, what do I want my, you know, 19-year-old ball of clay that I'm bringing in to my, like, professional sports team, like, to do, to be able to do, um, yeah, shit, man, like, he, he can do a lot of stuff on the ball, he he looks like he has that little bit of point-forward potential, you know, maybe not as a full-time job, but, just that plus passing seems to be there. Um, Julius Randle, like pre-Knicks' greatest single season turnaround ever, uh, is like a comparison I might not despise. He just like less battering Rammy. Um But, you know, in comparison to someone like Booknight, I think who will become like a really, really great, maybe even – in in relation to the rest of the class he'll become an elite scorer like from this class uh I'd probably rather bet on a book night than a Johnson especially because we have Randall and and you know maybe Toppin on the team like I would I might not think Jalen Johnson might be the greatest fit here um but some team is gonna get him at a pick that's lower than it should be And after a year of working with him and developing him, be like, how the hell did we get this guy at, you know, whatever, like 16, 14, whatever it is, Um, just because this class is so deep. And if you do have off-court shit like him, like that will cause you to drop because everyone's, you know, so close at such a great level of prospect. Um, Book, to me, has this thing where draft Twitter, like – hold him apart and has like eviscerated him it's um, me
2: he's talking about me you guys
3: <laughs> it's tyrese it's oscar it's all you nicks draft twitter people besides nicks draft who holds down the floor over at the strict um and then mavs draft has him like sixth overall which i like um but book book just gets like uh uh, why don't why don't the nerds like him man come on guys like he's just books one of those kids for me with trey man where like like trey man where it's or like emmanuel quickly or like rj barrett where they're just like a figure shit outer like they're just gonna go figure shit out with the basketball like it'll happen they'll do it they'll make it work um like i was saying earlier like basketball job <laughs> Um, Buck is the type of kid to me that like shows up to work, whatever role he's got, like he's just gonna go and fucking kill it. Um, I think not being the clear number one will help him a lot. Uh, cause I just don't think he's like that's who he is. I don't think he's like a you know, like a Shea type player where he's a he can be good on ball, but he's a fired off ball guard, but it can still look fine on like Book Knights to me is an off ball player. Um for sure but i just think four off ball guys like it's suggs and then him if you're talking about like who who will be the best off ball guard from this class i don't know i just really like what he brings from the scoring perspective all the different ways that he can score um and just the toughness he'll bring like intangibly to the court brooklyn knight you know I, i i was i was Saying before this NCAA season started that he was gonna be someone whose stock like would skyrocket this year, probably even to the late lottery. I was like, Yeah, we might even see him be a late lotto guy as high as there. And now it's looking like he might go fucking like top six. So
2: isn't, isn't it funny that he he like when he had his 40 piece, he did have top ten and then he got hurt and then it went all the way down and now we're like right back where we started. Yep, <laughs> right
3: <laughs> right back so i thought like the mavs pick or our pick like i you know i was like joking that the mavs pick would be like definitely better than our pick and i was like yeah like this might be our guy with the mavs pick like at the end of the lottery um and then you know he's apparently killing shooting workouts which i'm very upset that we can't see like i would love to be able to see you know his potentially improved jump shot that has teams fawning over him um but i'm just really in on book night i, I there, there are a couple prospects every year where I'm just like, this kid is a figure shit outer. And I don't care that much about some of their weaknesses because like from interviews I've seen from knowing about them, from watching their games, like they're just going to, I am, I am of the opinion that it doesn't matter because they're just going to figure it out. Like book is definitely one of those kids for me this year. Um, I'm trying to think of one from last year that wasn't quickly. Like, I, I don't know um all these names floating in my head now and then the the third name was scotty barnes who to go to the other side of the ball like you know talk about like dominant dominant level upside uh scotty barnes's defense like could be really scary um and i say that because everything about him does like in a good way everything about him terrifies me like if i were an opponent if I were an opponent and I like, I had to go up against Scotty Barnes, like I, I wouldn't be excited about it. Um, That type of terrifying in the sense that like he gets what he's good at. He gets what he's going to be good at. He went to FSU, which that by itself shows me a, a desire to, you know, just be good defensively, learn good defensive technique, how to be effective on that end. You know, you see guys like Pat, Will Vass come, come from that school. And we know, their coach is is quite adept at development on the defensive end hamilton over there um barnes i was talking to prez about him once because i was like you know there are people talking about him like if this if it were a different draft class he'd be a number one pick like i was like i don't think his upside's that 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 crazy and prez was i forget i think i think you said he he might be just like and just, you know, is is might not be the right word because this is a really good player, but like OG Ananobi, like an inch taller and with better passing. Um, so not, you know, a perfect, perfect, you know, a little a couple stretches there in the comparison, but um yeah, I totally see that. And that's not even like a super high level outcome for what some people think he can be. Um, I've seen Giannis's name thrown out there. Like that's where I draw the line, and I'm like, all right tone it the fuck down like relax um but to have a guy who's 6'9 6'10 with that wingspan with that energy um talk about guys that excite you like scotty barnes will literally excite you he loves pumping up the crowd he loves being a great teammate being a, a hyped up teammate cheering everyone on being part of the crowd himself getting into the energy of the game like this is a guy who from him going to FSU from his behavior, you know, on the court, just body language, all that, like you could tell this guy wants to be a beast and wants to figure out what the best way for him to be a beast is like, he's not just, you know, going to some big school where he could just sell a million memorabilia items. Now that with the new laws and it like, now he went to FSU. <laughs> that's like, I feel like that's, that's, not, not to offend FSU, but just, like, for a top, top prospect, like, that's not going to be, you know, exciting. But Barnes makes it very exciting because of how he is. that's an
1: Orlando magic pick. At five, I
3: mean, that's going to be it.
1: I'd be surprised if he got past them. I think, I've been, I think they'll take I,
3: Go, go do, do a Twitter search. I said weeks ago it's going to be Barnes at five because
1: that just screams them. Yeah. Florida State wingspan crazy athlete. It'll, I I would be surprised if they didn't take him. Orlando Magic fans are are bummed that Jalen Green won't be there. They all wanted Jalen Green, but that's I'd be well, surprised. But but uh, uh, Book Knight is the guy you would trade up for though, Chris. So here's the
3: thing, and here's where I, here's what I was gonna get into is that like I still evaluate prospects in a we suck light where like I'm willing to wait on guys I'm willing to I think book night and somewhere where I'll admit like maybe I've been too high on him in this regard I don't know like if if he's who you want stepping in and being forced to contribute like being brought along in Oklahoma City is way different from like going to your hometown like ob and need like you know being needing to produce from the jump um yes i would love for the knicks to move up for book night because i just think he's going to be a freaking great player but for what this team needs for what we have for you know like man if we moved up i don't know if i'd move up that high when you know you could you could try to move up for a Moses Moody um who might excite me a little more as a prospect. Just uh, Moody man. I, I've loved that kid from the jump. Him and Book Night have been like my two favorite guys in this whole okay. from
1: okay. the
3: start. Then I then I you know as I started watching more film add Sharif add Garuba to that list as my favorite, but from like months back when I was just, you know, watching college ball games as they were on my TV, like book and Moody have always been my favorites. Moody would be so awesome here. I think book could be really cool here, but
1: Moody could add more right. I, I
3: need, I need our coaching staff to like really want book and to be really confident that they have a role for him that he can, cause it's like, all right, if we're doing D Rose and IQ off the bench, and then I see Book as an off ball guard. I, I guess you put him at the three, but he's six, three and a half. So, like, shorter reg, you know, <laughs> um, the fit might be tough. You, unless you want to play IQ at the backup one and Book at the backup two and let Rose go. But I don't think they want to do that. I don't
2: think. Yeah, I, because they want to have a guard on their bench duo who can dribble they want to be and neither iq nor book night yeah, they want to be they want to be a better
3: basketball team so i don't think <laughs> they're gonna let rose go and have iq and book off the bench like you know i said you can do it uh i don't think they will so to me book like might not make a ton of sense for us to trade up for but like if he fell obviously if he well, fell he's not gonna off, fall to 19 but if he fell to like 14 or something we're like yeah. The cost isn't crazy. Like I, I probably look into it, but if book right. fell that low, the cost would be crazy. So, you know, right. um, for trade up guys though, uh, I don't want to piss off Stacy again, but Franz might not be my favorite. I, I think he would be really good here though. So I'll say, you know, I'll say Franz, um, Moody Franz. I'm looking at my, my physical, board here in front of me to get names um that and because they again when i'm thinking about two different draft classes man they just they're all they're all floating around there like a snow globe um moody book uh, if we could move up for Barnes, like i'd obviously be intrigued i just like you know i don't i, I again with randall here who's like a four not a five not a three um it's kind of tough to draft a four for someone you you see as a four moody moody and book
1: okay so moody and book are the guys you'd move up for then
3: they they, and and book would have to be if he if he slipped a little like i can't give up a million picks to get up in the top seven to get a guy who like is going to have our like he's like tibbs is going to be so pissed (laughs) that's that like i feel like bringing in book and then not bringing back a vet like d rose to make book fit is the type of thing where tibbs is just like sitting there with this frozen pizza, like just like crying over trying to figure out how the hell he's going to get to 95 points a game. Like, I
2: can't,
3: yeah, I I can't co-sign that in good faith. I would need, you need multiple options there. Like I've said before with Sharif, go get Lowry and bring Rose back and draft Cooper. Like just fucking
1: like blow up your point guard. Wait, are you talking about Kyle Lowry now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We're not going down a free agency. I don't know. I'm saying okay. <laughs> this, this is a Sharif.
3: This is a Sharif. Okay. 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 Like, bring in Lowry, bring back Rose, and then have Sharif be your third string point guard who you ease in with more minutes and more minutes as the year goes on. Uh, and then you can make a deadline move. You know, if you really, if you're, if you're lucky enough to need to um, book to me, like what it would take, because like, you're not gonna trade up to the freaking top six and then not play the guy, you know what I so it's like I just don't know with who our coaches with who's already on our team that book would be the the bestest of fits,
1: okay, from. all right, Jeff, is there any particular guy you'd like to trade up for?
0: yeah um definitely moody uh and actually you know Chris did mention Franz wagner and and I want to get into him for sure, but uh book night is 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 A guy I really like, uh, but I would be worried about trading up for him. Like if we're going to trade up for somebody, I kind of want to marry two different types of philosophies. Like I want to trade up for a guy that does have upside, but I also want there to be a floor that is like, well, if if you don't have a crazy usage and we want you to play a certain type of role that you can still do that effectively. Book night I'm a little worried. It's funny, like, his big – one of his big negatives is, is his passing and vision, and I don't know whether that's more of a, of a function of playing at, at Connecticut than it is something that, like, he's just not actually able to do. Um, and I know Prez mentioned, like, briefly his ball handling, and I would definitely worry um, without him using a pick, uh, you know, just getting around guys, you know, not in transition – or or anything like that. So, you know, if I had a little bit more faith in book night in an off ball role, catch and shoot, things like that, I might be a little bit more inclined to trade up for him because I do like the upside. And I, and I think there's just, and I, you know, I don't know, again, like sometimes I try and look and maybe reach a little for these intangibles, but he's, he's got this kind of like steely confidence about him that I think um, sometimes you just see guys like that and they have a certain way about them and, um, they're going to be successful, you know, in, on, on some level. But um, Franz Wagner is a guy that I really like, a guy that already has international experience playing with grown adults. Um, the way he moves the court for his size and the way that he can play make and his defense, I, I think there is there's a really, really solid floor with the guy that is 6'9", 220, um, decent wingspan. It's, it's not great. Um, I just think he's, he's, I think he's a really good player. Of course, the shot is going to be a bit of a question with him. I think he shot 34% from three, uh, 47% from the field. But when you watch him, um, his gather and his load and, and build up to the shot is, is definitely slow for sure. But to be honest, the only thing that, that I feel like he's really got to work on and anyone that I talked to that, that either was like media based in, in Michigan or whatever I read up on him, it's confidence with him. Like he literally he's a guy that, that um second guesses himself and, and doubts himself on the court. And that's where he gets into these hesitation moments where he's like, Oh, do I go for it? Do I shoot it? Or do I do this? You know, and and so I I don't know. I I, I like his floor and I like his upside. Um, and I think you know, with NBA spacing, I think he's a guy that, that could actually do a lot better. So uh Wagner is a guy that I would I would target. Um and I know that, you know, we've we've got some centers on the team, but not, none that can do the, the types of things that he can.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he'd be nice to add to the team. Prez, is there anybody you'd like to move up to get? I'm guessing Book Knight
2: is not someone that you would like. No, not quite. <laughs> Um, y'all said mood. there's not actually not that many. I mean, I would move up for Sharif, uh, I would move up for Moody, I would move up for Josh Giddy, but I don't think, you know, a lot of the guys we're talking about, Book, uh Giddy, um, Franz, they're almost all certainly gonna go like top ten, top twelve. So I, I just I think Indiana's probably as far as you can get without like harming yourself. <laughs> You know, you know what I'm saying in terms mm-hmm. of like offering up too much. Yeah, um, I
3: what I was saying about book was like, yeah. like
2: there's no way to reef. I, I
3: I didn't even consider reef as being like a trade up option, but I would personally do it for him. I just don't think like the Knicks would, so I didn't even say anything. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I would have trade up a couple spots as well.
1: Would you have to offer up future picks? Do you
2: think to get to a position to draft book night? You gotta get into the top ten. So yeah, probably yeah, yeah, there, yeah. Man. that that 32 and 58 ain't moving people that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I mean <sighs> this is like in terms of guys who are gonna be unavailable to the Knicks, it's pretty much for me moody and giddy. Um, that's really it. There's other guys I would trade up for, but those guys may very well be available at 19. So it's one of those, like, you don't actually need to trade up for them. Like Sharif. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. Before we wrap things up, I want to know what your guys' perfect draft looks like. Like anything the Knicks could do, whether they draft four players, which obviously they're not going to do. They're not going to carry four rookies into the next season. No one would do that. Whether they trade the picks, they end up with a vet. What what do they do? Prez, in your perfect draft night, what do the Knicks do?
2: Oh man, not including like unrealistic falls or unrealistic trade-ups.
1: Realistically, realistic, yeah.
2: Yeah, I was in a mock the other day and like Josh Giddy fell to 19 and I was like, that's that's not gonna happen. Yeah. This, this is this is only on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it, Within the realm of realistic stuff, I would probably say, um, definitely Sharif. I would say come away with two guys because I do think that three is too many for this team. Um, so I would say come away with uh Sharif and then one of like seriously any handful of players who I really like, um, like Zaire or man or even more boring guys like Duarte or Kessler Edwards or Isaiah Jackson or Garuba. Probably the most fun outcome to me would be the most fun. Perfect draft would be Sharif and Garuba. The most like low key, like my agenda is going full steam is Sharif and Kessler or Sharif and Duarte or Sharif and like, I don't know, it's kinda it'd be kinda scary, but Thor maybe. Um just I'll be happy with Sharif and anybody, to be honest. Like that's they're all all those combos give me A's. <laughs> I'm very this is a very low bar here. Just get me Sharif, Leon Rose. <laughs> Jeff, what about you?
0: All right, so I'm gonna go with five guys in no particular order. Um that I hope somehow, some way that the Knicks can end up with any combination of, of two of them. Uh, and I'm just going to go with any one of the Butler guy. I'm sorry. Any one of the Baylor guys, that's Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler. Um, let me see who else I have here that I, I'm kind of pushing my agenda for Trey man. And then I have two more. And I'm going to say – I'm also a Zaire Williams guy. Um, And then I would have to pick between Duarte and Wagner. Uh, If we trade up, I I would go Wagner um, or Duarte. So I'm going to keep it at um, Davion Mitchell, uh, Jared Butler, um, Trey Mann. Zaire Williams and and Duarte, and if we trade up, I'll I'll go Wagner. So those are the guys in in no particular order that somehow, some way, I hope we can get two of them.
1: Okay, nice, Chris.
0: Man,
3: I'm thinking. Um, all right, I, I I don't know what what Garuba's stock is looking like, but. um, If we do trade – it's tough. It's tough. I want to say that, like, if we trade for Sexton and and trade Obi for him, I would really want Garuba. I'm just going to assume IQ and Obi will be on the team next year when I do this dream scenario. So let me say – okay. Duarte at 19, Reef at 21, and then – isaiah jackson falls and whether we you know he was like 32 and a bunch of our future seconds or the dallas 23 or something to trade up uh if him falling to 32 is too unrealistic for y'all you know go ahead and execute that fantasy trade just get me duarte reef and ijax let me leave with a guard a wing and a big let Ijax be the third string center. Let Reef be the third string point guard. Let Duarte replace, I guess, Burks off the bench, but play like the Bullock, more of the Bullock role-ish. Um and just like three guys, two of which I think will become very good in Reef and Ijax. Duarte, who is Dominican from New York, will have. One hell of a fan base here if you came to the Knicks. Um, that'd be so late, yo. Oh, my God. It's going
0: to be a Republic all, all summer, man.
3: Imagine, like, all of Washington Heights at every game, dude. This, be so this might be
2: dangerous turn the garden <laughs> turn the garden into Dykman. Turn the garden well into Dykman.
3: the garden the garden would would they would i like i can tell you they'd absolutely add like a dominican or something to their it. own
0: section it would be their own that's
3: section. that's what they you know this msg does it like based off players they they, they do a french heritage night because of frank like it's based off of players it's based on like they would totally do that for duarte because of all the dominicans in new york city and i would be one of them there (laughs) watching him play that night uh and then you know you guys know i have reef high and i love him and then ajax is like you know whether it's he's unfortunately ends up being mitch's replacement or just ends up being mitch's really good backup um those are just three guys i love from this draft that fit really well into what we already have going so that that would be it would be you know if you wanna trade up for Ijax, go ahead, use some seconds, whatever, get me into the back of the first, and let me get Duarte Reef,
1: and Ijax, okay, so Jackson isn't gonna be there at thirty two you don't think Chris,
3: man, it depends on contenders like if they're for me, I don't think he goes like before twenty, so it's like out of the contenders, do any see him in like that Warriors, you know, that Warriors style of like just draft a guy at 30 and stick him in as your backup center, like, you know, like the running back kind of strategy. Um, if, if, if he gets picked there, then, you know, he gets picked there. Um, other than that, I think enough crazy picks should be made where uh, guys fall to the end of the first and that causes IJAX to spill into the second. But the chance remains that Ijax is one of those crazy picks at like 18 or a random number, like wherever, because some team could see like the defensive potential and bite earlier than we were thinking. I, I have no idea, but, you know, being from a school like Kentucky where people know that players have certain skill sets, like a little masked by Cal um, who knows, but yeah, but just depends on, who falls to me, whether a contender scoops him up or not, or whether, you know, teams just grab guys that we think should not be there at the end of the first and Jackson falls to us.
1: Yeah. Because yeah, that, that kind of screws up my dream scenario of trading picks for Colin Sexton on draft night and then hoping that uh, Jackson winds up at 32. If you, if you trade two first-round picks and get Colin Sexton and Jackson is there at 32. That would be my dream scenario for draft night. I think that works out pretty well. I like it. Yeah, I like that one. And then <laughs> I, I guess throw in Obi and, and Knox if you have to throw in both of them. But yeah, that, that's my ideal draft scenario. Although I would be, I agree with Prez. I think if if they get Sharif Cooper, I would be just as happy, if not more happy, if they if they wound up with Sharif Cooper. And I'm totally all in on Isaiah Jackson now. I'm I love Isaiah Jackson, but I think this is a uh, this is a good time to wrap it up, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, before we sign off here, I want you to tell everyone where you can find, where they can find your great work. Jeff, why don't you go first?
0: Yeah, man. First and foremost, uh, thank you, Chip. Uh, we haven't been on a pod together in a long time, so very
1: long time yeah
0: uh, definitely definitely um uh, you know uh, enjoyed this for sure and I think this is the first time I've met and and spoken to Prez, so um that was cool as well chris Chris is that dude, of course, so always love sharing a pod with him as well but uh yeah the the Twitter handle is is jeff underscore boy underscore r d a r d e e um can find my written work at daily Nicks and uh that's it just really really interested and excited to see what the knicks do on thursday i will be at some local bar in astoria uh and hopefully it's 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 good drinks instead of uh angry and upset drinks so we'll see what happens
1: (laughs) chris what about you man
0: oh man yeah thanks for having
3: me on again as well love getting to talk ball with all three of you this was great um My, my Twitter will be linked somewhere. I won't, I won't try. I never try to spell my name. Just click on my Twitter, wherever chip links to Chris Percy, I, on Twitter with a K I got my big board up. I got my, got my second big board. My final one should be coming out Wednesday right before the draft the day before the draft, hopefully. And, uh, I'm going to stay, stay on the lookout, um, on the Nick film school pod this week, going to be coming on, do a mailbag, do some draft talk. um, so yeah, you will find me there, and then as always, WFUV Sports and the To a Tolerable Degree podcast, um, gonna be on a WFUV Basketball podcast this week also for draft stuff. I think so. You know, check that out as well. Just uh, well, all, it'll all be linked on my Twitter.
1: All right, and Prez, thank you again for making your first appearance on the show.
2: I know. Thanks for having me. This yeah. is fun. Um, I write. For the Strickland, the Strict land. And I tweet on Twitter at underscore Presidente with a Z. Um, and I guess now I have a draft pod too, draft Strickland. We'll see how long that goes or if I just go on a vacation after the draft happens. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. All
1: right. And I'm on Twitter too, at ShipMurphy7. And tune in on Knicks Fan TV. On Thursday, there's a live draft show. I'm gonna be on there, and I have a Lonzo Ball free agency piece coming soon on Nicks fan TV. So check that out too. Check out Alex Trataros's free agency pieces on Knicks fan TV. Just check out Nicks fan TV. Okay, guys, and rate review subscribe. Thank you for listening.